Today, Jason Sitt, a specialist CX researcher from the University of Portsmouth, talks to us about his findings on how retailers can increase footfall using experiential and educational events. We also discuss how organizations can improve their customers' in-store experience using omni-channel technology. Don't forget to join the discussion on LinkedIn by searching CX Insider and let us know what you think of the episode. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of CX Insider. This is Valentina speaking, joined by Louis as usual. And today I have the privilege to welcome our guest, Jason Sitt, who is a senior lecturer in marketing at the University of Portsmouth. As a student of Portsmouth University myself, I've had the opportunity to attend a couple of Jason's amazing lectures and seminars. How are you, Jason, today? Very good. Thank you for a very uh, nice introduction, Valentina. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, Jason, you have dedicated your research career to omnichannel retailing and customer experience, and your papers, some of which we will discuss later in this episode, have been published in various international journals. Uh, before we get there, for a start, I would like to ask you a bit broader question and to provide the audience with some facts and figures for a better picture. The first weekend after lockdown, retail footfall increased by 85% in England in a single day. In fact, this figure halved the annual decline in footfall. But considering the year-on-year decline in footfall and a rapid increase in online retailing, is this number 85% some kind of, um, it may be a bit predictable before Christmas, but is this some kind of anomaly in the year-on-year decline? Or my question to you, Jason, is, is bricks and mortar retail dead? I think it's a very good question. And it has been a question that, uh, I'm sure uh, many traditional retailer. When I say traditional retailer, means that those that have started with bricks and mortar uh, ask themselves. And obviously, this day we are overwhelmed with facts and information about the death of High Street, the closer the closure of many famous brands such as Arcadia, Debenhams, um, and so on and so forth. I guess one would immediately say, of course, the high street is dead because of all this incident. And also the um, pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, is not helping either. It's kind of pushing people to shop online because of social distancing and uh, a series of national lockdown. But having said that, if you look closely, very, very closely in the high street, you will f- you see a few exceptional and yet very successful retailers still there, such as Primark, Poundland, TK Maxx, and so on and so forth. So why are they still there then if you think that High Street is dead? And in fact, in a couple of, a couple of days ago, the, the CEO of Primark, Paul Merchant, talked about, uh, I quote, um, he talked about um, anyone who thinks shopping in person is over is naive. I can't agree with him more. Like I absolutely agree with this statement because I don't think high street is dead. I don't think shopping in person is dead. I do recognize 
the function of high street, the way we shop definitely have changed. It's just that it will require us to rethink and perhaps even repurpose the high street and the store, the brick and mortar store we have. I absolutely agree with you. And yeah, it seems the pandemic uh, somehow accelerated the closure of physical stores, but yet there are still um, high street retailers who are, who doesn't seem to be affected by that that much to or such a large extent. So what do they do differently? What could actually retailers do in order to attract higher footfall in stores if you think that the high street or bricks and mortar retail is not dead? I think they need to rethink that why they need a physical store or a brick and mortar store. Traditionally, brick and mortar, uh, brick and mortar stores serve many uh, purposes, one of them as a showroom. And another one is to, for you to buy merchandise or product. The fact that most retailers have a presence online means omni-channel. Uh, and of course, also social media. Do they still need the store to display everything they have? Or would the store serve a different purposes? For example, maybe the store needs to focus more on customer service, such as managing product returns dealing with uh, query, uh, questions or queries from customer or exchanging and so on. So, and, and I think we really need, and also perhaps the size of the store that we need may need also rethinking um, because I think there are many reasons why um, the, the purpose or the importance of physical store have changed. And one obviously is our shopping behavior and also, um, yeah, and I think also the reason, and I think another reason is many retailers basically have fallen into the category of being complacent. They basically treat, they have one format and then they simply replicate the same format or the same design for all the store in different locations. But if you were thinking about, if I were to use Nando as an example, different Nandos in different locations have their, although they're selling the same, products, which is chicken and, and the side dishes and all, but different store, different uh, shops they have in different locations, say Reading versus Guildford versus Oxford, the decors are completely different. Maybe maybe retailer need to, th one, think about whether a localized approach would be uh, effective of getting people back. And second one is thinking how can they use events, such as pop-up events, to get people back. Um, before this Recording, I just came across an article talking about Lego, how Lego has created a pop-up event in Convert Garden uh, uh, showing or exhibiting uh, 12 different displays they have about Christmas and then getting people to come to Convert Garden to actually look at this di display. Of course, they make sure that people maintaining social distancing and so on. So I do think that event has a, a strategic role to play to get people back. The event has to be uh, temporarily. It can't be there forever. Otherwise, it will lose its magic. And it needs to fit with a purpose or theme or a, a festive season like Christmas, Valentine's Day. And I think people do want that, especially uh, we have been locked down or, or, or you know, are forced to go into lockdown for, for so long now. I, I feel, I truly feel people are eager to go out, but there's nothing exciting for them to go to. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that, that's true. And it's definitely a good question to, as a retailer, ask yourself, why do I need a physical store <laughs> if you can offer the same value online nowadays? And if more and more people actually buy and do the shopping online, it seems like the physical store needs to reshape their values. And according to you, then event event marketing or events themselves can offer this kind of value in physical retail and in long term it can attract um, customers yes and also think about localized experience as well because like think about i know consistency is important um, but at the same time people want something unique for example i would more inclined to go to uh, say, a uh, John Louis store in Bournemouth, if I know that the John Louis store in Bournemouth is quite different from the one in, say, uh, Portsmouth. And I think each town have their own heritage and their own history. I mean, why wouldn't retailers think about that? I, I think it comes come down to cost, you know. And I think because obviously having a standardized store format or standardized store experience is save money. But then in turn, it creates a homogeneity or sameness. So basically, everything just looks the same. Yeah, yeah. I have seen this uh, happening in, in um, physical bookstores, um, local bookstores, even if it's like a chain of bookstores. Um, in each city, they invite, for example, local authors, local people to, to kind of be more localized, even if it's a chain. So I can actually, uh, I can see this being an effective way. Are there any are there any risks of the event marketing in retail? You see, one of the risks is the uh, return on investment because obviously they are not cheap, and whether you're doing it uh, in house or hire an extra an urgent agency to do it, they're often not cheap. Uh, especially now because of the of COVID, then you have to also think about social distancing and and the timing and the planning and 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 who knows how much uh, the public liability would cost, which is the insurance if anything happened. And so the although you know having event can draw footfall, um, we know that especially something that exciting, something new, and something shiny, but then doesn't guarantee people everyone that come to the event would spend money. So I think the risk is more to do with the return investment because it's not that every 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 pound you invest would in in turn generate the equal or more amount. So I th- I, I think that's why many retailers are reluctant to do that. Instead, they will prefer to invest in promotional offers or free gifts because they are more tangible. They know that and they can also measure it more easily, so they can see how much how how many promotional offer people. Uh, take up or how many free gifts do they sign up to so there are tangible results that can that, that allow retailer to track unless unlike event they are a bit more intangible or more subjective other than looking at footfall or traffics yeah i see it's a definitely good tool to raise brand awareness but that doesn't equal profit increase <laughs> yeah so from a customer experience um, perspective when um, organizing these events. Is there a way to distinguish or how would you distinguish the participants who event who attend these events in the retail stores? Um, how could, like, is there a way to kind of predict, oh, these people who will attend the event um, will definitely purchase, like, um, enact the purchase behavior? 
I think one way is the use of uh, technology, especially mobile technology. I recently recently let, read an article talk about, or at least suggest that at the moment there are around three billion mobile phone users on the planet. Okay, so especially because of COVID, we have to use our mobile phone more and more for different purposes: for signing into track and trace, for uh, scanning the menu, for making a payment. I think we can utilize that in a positive way. For example, for you to attend, for example, the Lego uh, pop-up exhibit I mentioned earlier. In order to go to the exhibit exhibition, you have to sign up. So most likely, you will request people to give you your name, uh, your mobile phone number, and email address. And then with that detail, obviously, then there are fine prints and so on and so forth. So once people come to the event, and you may even ask them whether they're happy to accept any um, introductory offer or promotion offer using the the near near field communication and push communications. And many retailers have used that. And I know one of the uh, example would be Starbucks. So if you actually sign up to their mobile app, and if you happen to be in the uh, proximity of a Starbucks store, and then uh, they will actually push a message to say. In in one mile or or not no point five mile, there is a Starbucks in this on this street. Come in and you get a fifty cents off. I think we can use the same principle for events. So get people to sign up, provide details, contact details, uh, especially the mobile uh, number, and then you utilize the mo- near field communication technology and push messages to get people to actually go to a particular store or take up some offer after they come to the event. So of course it required a partnership of uh, maybe different brands. It wouldn't be just one brand. Uh, maybe partnership of different brands. I think it could work. I think you distinguish people simply come for the event sake, or actually people come to the event and actually hoping to do more after the event. I see. That's interesting. So you think this this kind of geolocation tool this could be later used to attract more people to the events and to make them to increase the commerce. In your store, yes, I think we can use it for many purposes. We can use the the, the geolocation tool to get people to uh, allow them to you know find, for example, if you build it into like a game. So if you gamify the the experience, it's a bit like Pokemon Go, right? So let's say I I I put a number of display uh in different location in uh, let's say Covert Garden. And you go and look for them, and if you find all the twelve display, and you get a free gift, and then you might say after you've done that, then you can say, okay, now uh, if 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 you want to, you can actually go to the nearby uh, Lego store, and then you get a uh, a twenty percent. So you can even combine that. So what the free gift to claim the free free gift after you have found the display, you have to go to a Lego store to claim it. So and if you have if if you're going there with your children, unlike the chance of you leaving the store empty-handed, is very small. I think so. Your children probably will nag you to buy something, or you yourself might buy something. So I think you can tie into into that. So so you gamify the experience, and then you offer some in- incentive to get people to come to the store to claim the incentive, and then hopefully they will increase their dwell time in the store in turn spending. Amazing. Um. I just want to expand on a point you made about about events. We work with a lot of banking organizations and high street branches have been leveraging events over the past few years, uh, but in a different way to normal retail. So we've been talking about how retailers can use events to facilitate sales. 
but banking have been using events to educate their customers and provide value to very specific groups of people. For example, uh, first-time home buyers to educate them about mortgages and also online banking and tech literacy for more of the aging population. This is obviously huge for organizations because not only does it help with brand trust, it also creates more of a community around that high street branch. How do you see these kinds of events being used? Not, not, not obviously we see it being used in banking, but being used in a broader context. Can retailers use these sort of community events to bring people to their, to their stores? Definitely. I absolutely think that is very important. I think especially there has been, before the pandemic, there has been a lot of literature, uh, academic and, and commercial talk about people want to be connected with the community more and more. And especially in affluent areas, those educational events are even absolutely important because at the end of the day, I'm sure you probably have heard, heard this for, uh, for those who study marketing. People, when people buy a drill, they don't buy that for the drill. They buy it because they want a hole for whatever purpose. So people want solution. Mm. So that applies to all the products we, we consume as a consumer. So we buy clothes for certain purposes, for certain reasons. I think the education event is the same. The education event, event can help people to see, for example, to, to teach them a skill set or some knowledge either be, let's say, planting some flowers or plotting, you know, some, some plants, weeding the garden, or maybe how to fix some frame in the house. I think people enjoy doing it because, and also especially for, for older people, and I think they sometimes feel quite isolated and, and so on and so forth. I think those education events actually not only help to develop new skill set or knowledge uh, for consumer, in turn, get them to know more about what your product can do. I know at the end of the day, it's about selling for sure, but people, consumer will also appreciate that they're learning something different, something they can use. And also it's a good social event as well. And because people can come and meet and, and people share similar interests. And I have seen example, things like a bakery will offer a, a baking uh, lesson for people with a fee or, or free. Uh, I have seen um, not so much in UK, but definitely when, when I was uh, living in Australia and also example from U United States, hardware store will offer like uh, some wood chipping uh, workshop or, or, or some painting workshop teaching people how to paint and so on. So it, it can work. Mm. So those are education events. People, because people are, want to learn something, people want to be able to use something and in the process they probably will buy into your product more yeah definitely and that, that just adds even more value to the theory that the high street is is not dying but instead transforming absolutely yes and in, in a previous episode we've spoken about uh the idea of showrooming and this is a problem for retail because it's you know it's individuals who start their purchasing journey in the physical store so they can see and feel a product but then finding a cheaper alternative online and finishing their journey there this is obviously not good for retail if the organization can't make the sale themselves online if they go to like amazon or a cheaper retailer how can uh, retailers use showrooming to their advantage and uh, if so can they can they use it to improve their in-store experience in any way 
I think you can. I think one of the things that we must remember, we cannot get rid of showrooming. It's, it's, part of, it's part of the retail shopper behavior. People would search online, offline, and then before they, they buy. So I think one of the, the things that retailer can do is when, when people come to your store and do research, make sure you really appreciate and take advantage of, of the moment. Funny enough, as we becoming as our shopping behavior become more digitalized, uh, I think personal selling actually become even more important. I think sometimes we forget about that. And when I talk about personal selling, not simply about, hi, how are you? I'm James. How can I help you? It's not the kind of mundane robotic response, but really trying to understand what people look for, ask some questions, not simply push, but then try to understand what they're looking for. Of course, you should back off if they say, no, I don't need any help. I'm browsing. But I think the kind of personal selling, building the relationship becoming important. That's why John Lewis is slightly managing the showrooming better than any other retailer because people do believe in their excellent customer service. Hmm. And people know the product, people can answer them without the primary purpose of selling to you. Because, you know, I, of course, again, I appreciate that retailing is about selling, but if you can kind of master the balance between a building relationship, helping customer with a, solu- with a problem, in addition to sell, so I think that is a subtlety there. I think you you will find people actually come back because, or as much as it's convenient to buy online, it comes with a lot of hassles as well. Think about think about you know returning a TV to Amazon. <laughs> I just yeah. can't. It's like I can't imagine. It's not simply just you know I repack it you know and then bring it to a post office. Can you, I mean, yes, you can perhaps organize a courier to come and pick it up or collect it, but still it's quite a hassle. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather spend a little bit more and then just buy it from, uh, uh, I don't know, Curry PC World or John Lewis, and then they might even, del- they would deliver it and then they might actually install it for you. So also think about additional service as well. One of the things that Amazon is not doing at the moment is offer those additional service, you know, delivering it, installing it, taking those packaging away. You know, hmm. disposing of your own old TV or electronics. So do think about the journey. Where are the pain points? Where are the hassles that would stop or hidden people from buying? And then focus on that. Then you would drive people to buy from you more. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you were mentioning buying a TV from uh, Amazon and then having to return, it reminded me of an experience I had recently. I bought a coffee machine off Amazon. And unfortunately, I, I received it and it was broken on on opening the package. And that was, you know, you can imagine it was quite a large box and I had to arrange for the career service to come and pick it up. But what I do love about John Lewis, and in the future, I will buy these sort of products from from this kind of store, is that they have a whole separate, they have a whole separate area, a customer service till, yes. which is separated from the sales till. So that if you have an issue with the product, you can take it there and the way they handle your complaint is entirely different to any kind of sales pitch or from a sales perspective because it's all about ensuring you have the best possible experience in store and with that product which i love and and if i bought a coffee machine from there i could have easily had it replaced (laughs) yeah that's just a note to self in future yeah go back to the classical example of marketing focus on solution and the sales will come definitely
In our last conversation, we 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 spoke about the idea of uh, reverse showrooming. You called it webrooming, which was an interesting uh, terminology I'd never heard before. And you read a research paper on this. And in that paper, you identified some some factors that influence the online search and in-store purchase process. So I would like, if you if you if you would would be able to just quickly touch on what the idea of webrooming is, and what interesting findings did you review? Yeah, sure. I, I, the the web rooming, as you already mentioned, Louis, is the reverse of showrooming, where people search online and then buy in store. And we know that this again is a very common behavior. You know, people search online and then and then they buy in store. One of the things that we find is the reason people search online is because it's, it's again it's convenient, it's efficient because you can search multiple things, and people can do it um, while they're at home. Uh, watching a TV, they call it two double screen, or while they're on the train, and then they will buy in store, and and it's because that they can go and talk to people and so on. I think what really differentiate between online search and bu- offline buying is I I would like to think if I were to narrow it down to one thing is that physical touch. So I, at the end of the day, one of the one of the thing that consumer would not give up is be able to touch the product. And there have been a lot of literature about touch, you know, touching and, and sensing and, and feeling, the pro- feeling the product. So I, I think we need to remember that. And, and again, if I were to use an example, would be the Apple Store. Why the Apple Store is always so busy? You know, and people always go there and try to touch you know, the new iPhone or the new iMac or the new tablet, because that for that reason, that physical touch then linked to like the sense of play, sense of experience. So I think we, it's a, something quite powerful. And I think sometimes retailers forget about that. That's very interesting. Some people call it uh, the Apple experience. <laughs> yes, but yeah. the, XP, the Apple experience is very much uh, built on the touch experience. If you recall the way the Apple Store has been designed with long benches, no chair, and then you can room around and they have a range of products, multiple of them of the same product allow you to, to touch and play with. And you see that later on, Argos and other uh, Curry PC World have, I wouldn't say copy, but definitely follow the same design the store design mm, of course okay then um then in regards to the technology to facilitate web rooming that you discuss in your paper uh, do you have any recommendations for managers or decision makers that could allow this process to be better better implemented yes i i think one of the recommendation is really use the mobile technology better and I think one of the reasons, in my opinion, one of the reasons people will search online and then come to the store because doing research online is, is easier, especially at home when you are not stressed and when you are, have the free time. And the things that people tend to research are like word of mouth, like customer feedback and also uh, specification or features if you're buying something electronic. Having on the screen, let's say whether it be a tablet or laptop, and uh, it's easier to read. I think retailer can utilize that a bit better in store if if they want to incorporate technology, especially mobile technology, into it. For example, have a QR code that allows people to scan in if they want to read the customer feedback. 
having a functions that allow people to actually easily compare the different brand of a of a product, whether it be television, whether it be a coffee machine, or the different models of the same brand. Because these days we are overwhelmed. Uh, I would like to say we are overwhelmed with choices. Whatever you buy, and you know, how do you know model A is different from model B? Yes, they might have a little signage next to the product, but often they are very small. They they are very technical. They're not easy to understand. And if you can create a technology, whether it be allowing people to use their mobile phone, or having a electronic screen that allow people to compare, I think that would facilitate people coming to your store more and then buying from from you. And then also bring in the personal element as well, because when buying something that especially high price, highly technical, people do want to talk to people, just have a chat, you know, and. And so, to make sure that it's the right one, right choice for them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea of having a QR code that opens up the online reviews. It seems like the perfect bridge between channels that would allow the the customer to even possibly finish their journey online that they started in the store at the same retailer. That, that's a very good idea. Yes, I think I think the power of word of mouth is so strong. I mean, I think people these days often look at power uh, the the word of mouth, like whether it be negative, positive, and the volume of it. I think we are not incorporating that in store very well. The only one I can think of that have used that is Lakeland. When I was in uh, was it Cornwall some some times ago, and Lakeland basically was promoting a new product, and uh, they create a special display promoting this. I think it was a mop. Or some sort of floor cleaner, and then on. In addition to that, they actually have a number of customer feedback, but in writing, yeah. So they have three or four, and they will have say Amy say this and John say that. But if if you can have if you if you can electrify it or digitalize it, and as I say earlier, there are around three billions mobile users on the planet at the moment. All of them have mobile phone, and we are getting used to using mobile phone for different reasons because of COVID. Why don't you then take advantage of this trend、hmm. and then combine mobile technology with word of mouth in store, and then that might actually stop people from going somewhere else, or as you say, maybe even speed up the decision making process if they feel confident or knowledgeable enough of making a decision. Absolutely, and the, everyone's getting so much better at using their smartphones for scanning QR codes and. Loads of different things, and most people's smartphones have got QR code readers built into the to the default camera.、Um, unlike unless you're Valentina and you don't have have that on your phone, <laughs> we wouldn't judge her though. We would, would we? <laughs> yeah, we, we won't. We, we won't judge Valentina. It's okay. Thank you, thank you. As usual, I'm never going to let this go. <laughs> on, on on that topic of of humor, we we discuss what you're doing next in your research and. I found it super interesting. I wanted to quickly touch on it. You're you're researching how how organizations can manage PR crises with with humor and and how organizations can better use it in their marketing. Do you think there's any way that retailers can can better use humor and capitalize and, and leverage leverage it to create better experiences? I would like to think so. So I I'm no I'm being biased. I would like to think so. I guess because of the pandemic, people really really feeling sad. Feeling down, 
And I think humor can help to cheer us up. And when you look at humor in health psychology, they talk about humor being a positive psychology that can help patient, cancer patient, or patient with terminal illness to cope better and sometimes even recover. And again, if I were to use a real life example like the McDonald Royal Hospital or Royal House, where they, I mean, I'm not a clown person, I find them scary, but so there's some some people find clown funny, so that's why McDonald will actually you know have clowns going around and then cheer the children up. I think retail can. I'm not saying that retailers should use clowns and then and probably would backfire. <laughs> but I'm thinking if if we were to be creative and think about okay, how can we create a fun or humorous experience, whether it be uh, I don't know, I yeah I I don't know, just maybe a. A talking show or something. I think that would make it be interesting. I mean, we have seen humor being used in marketing a lot, such as on packaging mm. or uh, in advertising. Why not in experience uh, design and delivery? Absolutely. So, yeah. Some some of the interactions I've seen on social media between social media teams of large corporations have and have been tackling large issues with with humor between these social media accounts and it it must be intentional because the everything that's posted on these corporate social media accounts go through a lot of processes to to check that it's it's appropriate because they have got millions of followers and I, I, that's quite interesting to me at least no I, I agree because i think literature say uh that say that hu- people find humor uh content humorous content easier to connect with uh mm. somehow your brain's just like that is i think it's some a bit like something it make us laugh and make us happy somehow your body react to that more easily and positively i i think yeah i i do not know how i'm being honest i think i be, i would like to think that there is a role for humor to play in the design and delivery of retail experience online as well as in store absolutely maybe this is an area we can touch base again on in future Yes, I would like to. Thank you. Definitely. Uh, unfortunately, though, we're running out of time. Uh, it's been amazing having this conversation with you, Jason. Super interesting. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Louis and Valentina, and your questions. Thank you, Valentina. I'll see you guys soon. Okay. Bye.